for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right. Well, Matt Zimmer just told me that even though he complains a lot, uh, that uh, he... What's the Joe Walsh line again? I can't complain, but sometimes I still do. Yeah, that's kind of that's both of us. And... Uh, well, are you going to complain about all the March Madness because we're knee-deep in so many things going on, but it has to be maddening, just all the, all the things you've been covering and writing about. It's great, but uh, there has to be some complaining, right? Are you, uh, are you, do you still feel like you're in heaven, or you feel like you need a spring break like the kids do with all this uh, Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16 and the Jacks and the Yotes women and uh, just coming off the Summit League Tournament in state basketball and, oh, by the way, Valley football. Are you tired of it, or are you still loving it? Uh I'm not sad that the basketball teams I'm covering are done, but I also, you know, would have enjoyed continuing covering them. And yeah. March Madness is fun as hell, and I've probably enjoyed it more this year than most years, just because kind of one of those don't know what you have till it's gone sort of yeah. things. You know, not having it last year, you kind of realize, damn, that's that's a fun thing that I wish we had every year. And so having it back, I've watched as much basketball probably as I ever have. And, uh, yeah, you know, had fun covering the high school tournament, all that stuff. Not sad about the fact that I can clear some things off my plate, though. Yeah, yeah. You even were treated to some really excellent hoops with Sioux Falls Christian winning, and uh, we can we can get into that. I've got my observations from the Double A's. It was a very interesting tournament. We we don't talk high school much here, and certainly it's on the back burner with all the college stuff going on right now, unprecedented at all at once with football and hoops, but. Uh, Jefferson High School, the new high school. I mean, the, the they've named their basketball coaches, and I think we have a fair amount of listeners who are familiar with what goes on in the high school scene and the big characters that have been in it, played in it, coached in it for years. And uh, wow, so, so different types of hires for their basketball coaches, but both very good ones. So back end of this, maybe we'll get to it. I, I want to start. We could start with Jackson Yotes women in the NCAA because obviously, as we mentioned last week, that should never get old for us around here. It should be always cool to see them on national TV playing big schools. In this case, like Syracuse and Oregon. But what's there to say? Those were better basketball teams with better athletes, and Jacks hung in there and just ran out of steam. And uh, the Yotes, I mean, it shouldn't have been that bad, but they were obviously just losing to a better team. But we can we can we can get into some nuts and bolts in a moment, but that's not the big story. The big story to me around here is the extension of the Jackson Yotes men, the Oral Roberts men, being the. I, well, are they the first Summit League team to w- reach the Sweet 16? I know they're the first to win a tournament game since Valpo in 23 uh, years ago. They're the first since it's been the Summit League. I okay. think whether it was Valpo or somebody else, maybe even Oral Roberts themselves a long time ago mm-hmm. have been there. So first time it, as the Summit League. But I yeah. think when they were the MidCon, I think a team or two did it. But don't quote me on that. Well, I might be the only one around here in South Dakota. I'm probably not the only, but one of the only people who do not find Oral Roberts to be a great and wonderful fuzzy story because if you have any sort of social consciousness and care about the the school and its principles, then you'd have an idea why. And I'll get to that. I'm not going to piss on the parade. They are a really fun basketball team to watch. Um, you know, as I discovered a couple times in the regular season, certainly in the Summit Tourney when they beat the Jacks and then went on to beat the Bison to have uh, not just the best 
highest scorer in the league, but a, a really good big man. That that combo is terrific, and it uh, it worked well. Uh, I'll ask you this because everybody, I think most people saw the games, know what happened. They beat Ohio State and Florida. Cool. Um, does it mean that Summit League basketball is uh, is better than it's ever been, or better than it gets credit for? Can we make one giant conclusion that? There's a lot of muscles to flex here because Oral Roberts is in the Sweet 16, specifically for the Summit League, which, of course, means for the Jacks and the Yotes. I mean, I think it's a really good thing. I mean, I don't know how you, however you choose to label it or, or put a meaning on it. You know, the last year that Scott Nagy was coaching the Jacks, uh, they, it was M- Mike Dom was a freshman. Reed Tellinghusen was a sophomore. They had Jake Biddle, DeAndre Parks, George Marshall. That team was really good. They were a 12 seed. They almost beat fifth seeded Maryland. And they had really had to scratch and claw uh, to come out of the Summit League that year. And I remember at that time thinking, man, Summit League is really good and it's getting better. You know, the conference RPI was as high as ever. It really seemed like it was emerging as one of the better mid-major leagues. And over the course of the next couple of years, Mike Dom completely took over the conference. But the rest of the teams kind of took a step back. You know, and part of that was the grad transfer rule came in, and so guys started bailing, and uh, some of it was just coincidence. You know, teams, guys coming and going, coaching changes, all that kind of stuff. To where the last couple of years, you kind of look around and go, the summit's not very good. Uh, they weren't winning any games against major conference teams in non in uh, preseason non conference play, um, and that was troubling. You know, because if all of a sudden they had worked hard, to where a team that won the summit league could you know, get a, a 12 seed, talk about maybe being an 11 or moving even higher down the road to now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you win the summit, you're a 14 or a 15 or a 16 possibly. I mean, that's not where you want to be. So this year, obviously we saw that there was parity at the top. You know, there were four teams that were all in the hunt for a championship. But just because they're all similar in how good they are doesn't mean they're good overall, you know? So... It was, it was easy to kind of go, or I should say hard, to kind of go, well, how good are they really? There's parity, but how would that parity translate? And I think Oral Roberts is kind of spelling it out for us. You know, they're, I mean, obviously they're a very, very talented team. We saw that throughout the regular season, but they still finished fourth place, you know? Um, and, and very, you know, very barely won the Summit League tournament. You know, they needed a, a buzzer beater put back against the Jacks in the semifinals, then almost blew a 25-point lead in the championship game against NDSU, I'm not saying that the Jacks would be in the Sweet 16. I'm not saying NDSU would be in the Sweet 16. I don't think either one of them would be. Uh, Oral Roberts just kind of has a, a team that the, their style of play, their offensive firepower, you know, if you get them on a good night, they can do some things, and that's what's happened so far. All of it is a long way of saying I think it's a great thing for the Summit League. I think it says that the the quality of the, of the league is as high as it's been this year, that it's very good, um, and – you know, you'd love to say hopefully that bodes well for the future. Hopefully the teams, the league as a whole can build on it. But then the flip side of that is, you know, because of the rules being what they are now with the grad transfer option and then also just this year because of COVID, it's kind of a, you know, a free-for-all free agency. Guys can just kind of go anywhere and play right away. You know, what's going to happen? After Oral Roberts gets beat, is Paul Nils going to get hired at a you know major conference school, are Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner going to grad transfer, you know whatever transfer somewhere? Is this team is this sort of their last hurrah? It's kind of the situation now where these mid-major teams uh, can get poached by the higher-level teams. So it's great to see what's happening. Um, I just kind of 
cross my fingers, I guess, uh, that it's going to carry over into next year and beyond. Yeah, I mean, uh, the staying power is quite questionable if this is a flash in the pan. And uh, it speaks well for the Summit League, even though, I mean, you know, I catch some Twin City sports talk from time to time. And of course, stuff like Dan Patrick and Colin Cowherd, although Colin rarely talks uh, NCAA hoops, even during the tournament. And the the attitude has been about, the attitude obviously has been a lot more about Ohio State being the second place team in the Big Ten, uh, you know, Michigan was a number one seed, as was Illinois, but Michigan lost its best player. And I get it. They're the only team that's making it out into the Sweet 16. But Ohio State coming into the tournament was the number two team in the Big Ten in a, what was considered a strong Big Ten because they were a top 10 national team. And and but they're just part of every team besides Michigan, uh, ba- you know, losing within the first two rounds. And so it's more of like, well, tells you the Big Ten was overrated. And then they beat Florida, which is great. Florida was, what, a seven seed um, or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, great. Uh, out of the SEC, which I, I couldn't tell you much about SEC basketball this year. Most years, it's it lags behind two or three other conferences. Uh, but for any team from the Summit League to win these, obviously it's been historically almost impossible. Even some of Greg Campy's great teams um, at Oakland, who had like, you know, 6'10", 6'11", guys who could actually run and shoot. They I don't think they ever won an NCAA tournament game. So it's it's big. Um, and, but I, I, I get it. What I love about it is they, that Oral Roberts is, has the athletes and the scoring power and the explosion there. Usually sometimes you'd expect it to take slowing it down, playing defense, making life miserable, grinded out like North Dakota mm-hmm. state can sometimes right. do like Wisconsin does. It's great to see a team with firepower from this league that is a mid-major and it's a smaller private school. That's a bizarre school that I'll get to in a moment. But to have the athletes that they do, to make it joyful and fun to watch, and they can beat these other teams at their own game, that's terrific. It's And they always have, as I think we've mentioned before, the best band. I mean, there's a lot of about Oral Roberts hoops. <laughs> They've always been good. They've always had good athletes. Uh, but most years they haven't been able to string it together, especially since everything moved into Sioux Falls and became a big South Dakota, mostly South Dakota State party. Uh, you know they've 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 always fallen short in the in the league, but like they're always good. They always have fun, high scoring teams. It seems like going back to the Scott Sutton days, and they have a great band. There's a lot of brand there that I think it's cool. And so in in the basketball sense, and I guess in the band sense, it's cool to see them not just a Summit League team, but them do what they're doing now. Do Do you want me to get to the butt and why I don't love it and why I'm not cheering for them? Sure. Can you do you have a guess? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I just did, and I, I'm not going to say I didn't know this all along. I just suspected it. Um, this is from, actually, I believe, this is from a website called For the Win. But uh, uh, yeah, they. Uh, I just figured Oral Roberts being the uh, extremely, uh, you know, this school founded by the, the kind of the con man evangelist that was Oral Roberts, the guy that could uh, go on national TV every week. He was a he was, you know, he was a he was a national television preacher like Joel Olstein, and uh, you know, some guy walks up to the stage on crutches or whatever you do when you're on crutches to a stage, and all of a sudden he can walk. You know, those those tent show type of that's who founded this place, right? Well, uh, n- n- not surprising to me, but still really upsetting is. Uh, it's not just the fact that it's been mocked, and now I'm kind of half reading this article. You you, were, you realize that they can't they can't like dance on campus, right? You, you've been I'm sure you've been reading or stuff like that. Like it's Footloose. It's the movie Footloose. 
Um, but it has a, it's not just like these bizarre, strict um, 19th century code of conduct things. It's, uh, it's the school's discriminatory, discriminatory and hateful anti-LGBTQ policy. And uh, now this writer from For the Win, which is a USA Today wing, says uh, fans should protest as the Golden Eagles advance in the tournament. I know they won't. I know fans don't want to be socially conscious. They just want to enjoy basketball. I get it. I, so I'm not, I'm not here to make some huge stand. I'm just telling you why I'm not cheering for them for obvious personal reasons. Uh, twice in their student handbook, Oral Roberts specifically prohibits homosexuality. In their student contact section, under the heading of personal behavior, the school expressly condemns homosexuality, mentioning it in the same breath as occult practices. Um, the Students are expected to maintain the highest standards of integrity, honesty, modesty, and morality. Certain behaviors are expressly prohibited in scripture and therefore should be avoided by members of the university committee. Theft, lying, dishonesty, gossip, slander, backbiting, profanity, vulgarity. Okay, so those things are great to, to uh, you know, to be lumped in with uh, things that should be prohibited or looked down on. But lumped in there is sexual promiscuity, drunkenness, immodesty, oh, and homosexual behavior and premarital sex. Um, but, uh, yeah, so homosexual behavior is lumped in with all those things that are, you know, that most of us consider really bad, like theft and lying and dishonesty and slander and backbiting. Uh, so backbiting backbiting. Yeah. I don't know. It just says backbiting. I don't know. Um, I don't think they mean physically going up to somebody and biting them with your teeth in their back. What else could they mean? (laughs) Maybe they mean backstabbing and you know, like you shouldn't, uh, you know, you shouldn't tear people down from behind their back. I'm guessing. I think they mean biting people on the back. Okay. Um, and as part of the honor code, the university requires students to abide by a pledge saying that they will not engage in homosexual activity and they will not be united in marriage other than the marriage between one man and one woman. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised to learn any of this, but in 2021, as a gay man, it's uh, really disheartening. It's really maddening. And here's some news for you. A lot of kids take those pledges and they're actually gay and uh, they might even be having sex. Uh but it's, you know, I just think any institution, I, I, and some listening are going to say, well, they're a private school. They can do what they want. I get it. And the people that go there comply, uh, that's fine. But um, I, and, and the, it, all these great athletes who want to go play Division One hoops, and if Oral Roberts was your best offer, and you might not agree with the tenets of the university like that, you, you, I, okay, go ahead and play there. I'm not going to make a huge judgment about you as a person, but I don't really, I'm certainly not going to cheer for anybody associated with this, even basketball, which is always kind of its own separate wing and corporation in Division One and money-making sports from the rest of an academic institution. There, there you go. Any, any response? Is I mean, it, I, there's a part of me that's tempted to tell you, oh, get over it. You know, the basketball players have nothing to do with all that stuff. That that I, can, that I be, can go with. That I can go with but, mostly, yes. But I'd be a little I'd be a little disingenuous if I did because, I mean, I've hated other universities for reasons like that too. You know, I, I think it's BYU, is it, that, you know, makes their players take like a virginity pact yeah. or something, you know. And, and when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, I'm not rooting for guys like that. But that's kind of a general thing. Like, I think more what we mean when we say that is that's never going to be my, quote unquote, my team. I'm not going to, like, decide, oh, I'm an Oral Roberts fan or a BYU fan. But that doesn't mean that in, you know, in in a small sample size of one particular game, 
you can't get caught up in the drama of, oh my gosh, a 15 seed, a team that is in our conference that we cover, that we've, you know, we've seen these players up close and personal, we've talked to them, and they're fun are to about watch. to knock off yeah. a number two seed, Ohio State. Like, it's pretty hard not to get swept up in that. Yeah. And to hold it against Max A. Smith or Kevin O'Banner because the guy who started the school is a piece of shit or whatever, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I, that, that's a tough sell, and I, and I go back and forth on it. and um, I do, I too. Yeah, I did too. I just thought it's worth mentioning. And again, I know most people. I wasn't listen. rooting for him because I didn't want my bracket to get busted. I had Ohio <laughs> State in the final four. Well, but... That was more important to you. Okay, yeah. of course it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I rooted for I rooted for them, but skittishly. I mean, yes, I was sure. Why not? Why shouldn't I hope Oral Roberts or any mid major uh, ups? You know, I loved watching Loyola beat Illinois. I mean, so what that my so what the Nebraska's in the Big Ten. Nebraska sucks at basketball. Almost always has and. Um, college sports is the only sports where you're really that allegiant and tribal, and that uh, that includes that that includes the Summit League. Um, you know, it's not like Vikings fans cheers for the Packer cheer for the Packers to go all the way. Uh, when it's when, a little different, though. I mean, that like Oral Roberts winning games in the tournament puts money in the pockets of the other teams in the Summit League. Well, that's I mean, true. The Vikings do, don't get anything for the Packers winning the Super Bowl, the, so it's a little bit apples and oranges. The, but I hear what you're saying. Do the fans really care about that aspect? Uh no. But okay. I think it's a it's a reason to yeah. to care. Yeah. I guess. No, I I agree. It's good for the Summit League, and again, basketball. They are a fun team to watch, and after. After watching them, I didn't see them much until they played the Jacks and beat them in the uh, Summit semifinals, and that was a thoroughly entertaining game. I mean, you know, it was, it was in the '80s, and it was back and forth. It went down to the wire, and a great offense and a great offensive player made a made a play. And I was like, "Damn, these Oral Roberts guys are fun to watch." But uh, it's kind of like Liberty to me. I think Liberty is one of those other schools where that was it's the other just one I was going to mention really yeah. difficult for me to ever cheer for, even if the kids who play there are not anti-gay kids or. Um, or promiscuous because I'm guessing they are, uh, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's just a, when I see the name of the school, it makes me puke in my mouth a little bit because those are the kind of people that have made life really hard on people like us. Um, when there's no good reason to make life really hard for people like us. And, uh, you know, I've got my own personal story. There's far worse than mine of people who are bullied and, uh, depressed and suicidal because of how society views, uh, you know, being homosexual and uh and you know obviously we've made a ton of progress in the last 10 or 20 years uh this goes with transsexuality as well i mean i'm just guessing oral roberts isn't doesn't look fondly upon transsexuals and that's a big issue as we know in uh in our state and i want to move on to the happy fun basketball part but i just i thought i'd toss that in there just so you know you're rooting to me you're you're at least uh, if you're rooting for oral roberts you're at least rooting a little bit for uh, a school that uh, is d- discriminatory and uh, anti-human rights. There. Uh, so, however you feel about that, uh, I, I get it. Sports fans a lot of times separate themselves from their morals, right, Matt? I mean, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and uh, I could have quit a while ago with, um, you know, with uh, Tyree Kill. I mean, you could start right there. Go look up Tyree Kill's past. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, you could go, you know, I, I don't think of it so much in terms of sports but like i've had conversations with friends about um you know musicians or movie stars you know like i i'm very much a you know separate the art from the artist kind mm, of person yeah. like i don't i'm not gonna not watch a movie because the star voted for donald trump or i'm gonna not 
uh, enjoy an album because I found out that the guy committed <laughs> sexual harassment or something. Like, if I like the music, I'm not going to apologize for it just because the guy who made it is an asshole. I, I guess, yeah, that's yeah. I guess now I'm being a, I, I, I would be a hypocrite to go all the way and completely cheer against Oral Roberts. Like I said, I, 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 I didn't, I hadn't even looked this up. I didn't even know. I just figured. I think it's good for me as a gay man to know that they have an anti-gay discrimination policy. But, um, you know, before that, I was just kind of like, eh, it makes my skin crawl a little bit. These uber religious institutions like that, like them and Liberty. Uh, anyway, but uh, they're really, you know, again, they're fun to watch. They seem like likable personalities. You would know them better than I do if these are good people worth rooting for. But um, but I would be hypocritical because uh, I'm a big golf fan. <laughs> yeah, <no shit. laughs> okay. And uh, some of the greatest golfers ever that, of course, I've grown up idolizing. Um, I'm not going to say all of them are pieces of shit, but, um, uh, you know, you, you hear and read some things and... Um, uh, there, it's mostly people I would not really want to associate myself with yet. Um, I, you know, I, en- I enjoy watching them and in some cases root for them. And if I learn something about them that uh, crosses hairs with whatever I like, um, or, then I, I try to stop. But anyway, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, and, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan and uh, uh, you know, Tyree Kill, if he was on another team, I'd be like, gosh, you should really trade that guy. Get rid of that bastard. But um, but when he catches the big 70-yard bomb from Patrick Mahomes when the Chiefs have been trailing the entire time in the Super Bowl against the 49ers, what am I doing? I'm going apeshit. I, so I can't necessarily sit here and say, don't you dare cheer for Earl Roberts or you're a bigot. I, I can't go that far. Okay. Um, meanwhile, uh, w- 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 when it comes to the... Uh, well, we could finish up the men. I mean, do, do, are, you, are you... If Earl Roberts weren't in it, were you, would you still be particularly interested in the sweet 16 with um you know with blander than normal you get all the cinderellas to win once or twice and several of them in the first weekend which is fantastic but then you go to the next week and you're like where are the teams i i've heard of or or care about or like watching lose like duke or are you still in your bracket challenge so you're still engaged i mean i don't know i mean like i said this year because there was no tournament last year i'm more into it soaking this year yeah, so I'll probably pay more attention to the last couple of rounds than normal. But, I mean, I usually at least am sort of keeping track. And yeah. uh, I certainly am not one of those people like, oh, it's not fun because there aren't Duke and North Carolina. Like, I hate that narrative so goddamn much. That is entirely media-driven. That is national reporters who get used to seeing Tom Izzo and Mike Krzyzewski in the same thing all the time. And they they don't understand that fans are loyal to their team. They don't give a shit if the quote unquote usual suspects are in there. And at the same, you hear the same thing and you know, Oh, baseball playoffs, devil rays, pirates, twins. This isn't any fun says you, you know, that's, that's, I, I think that's so stupid to think that any sport needs to have, you know, these, these blue bloods or whatever have to always be in it to make it fun. I think that's so dumb. So I could care less, could, excuse me, could not care less. Um, who's in it as far as, you know, big names or Cinderella's or whatever. Like there's going to be drama no matter who's yeah. in it. And, but, and that's what makes it fun. And so, yeah, to some degree, I'll keep watching. Yeah. For, for most of my life, I've hated Duke and always enjoy watching them lose, but at the same time, same. but, and same for the Yankees. So I'm kind of torn because you get tired of them. You get really tired of them, really fucking tired, but then it's great when the further they get, they lose like in the final four of the world series. Um, but yeah, to take a year when you know that 
teams like that and schools like that, they'll bounce back. They'll be fine. They're going to be back. It's not like, you know, it's not like, you, oh, God, I miss them so much. I miss, I miss watching and cheering against them so much. I, I get where you're at there. Um, uh, it was interesting to see Kansas get spanked last night because I've always had a love-hate with Kansas. They were always big brother to Nebraska and most other schools in the Big 8 and Big 12 when I was growing up. But at the same time, again, I'm being kind of a hypocrite. I would, as a Husker fan, I would cheer for Kansas in the NCAA tournament because they were like the representatives of our kind of neighborhood. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> they just, to watch them last night, it was side by side, the two games at the same time last night with USC slapping Kansas around. And uh, I've never seen Bill Self look that, like that distraught and that embarrassed. And then, Let's just start with the Yote women because it's the most recent thing, and it's a more compelling story. Even though it's it's nothing for the Yote fans to be extremely embarrassed about or ashamed of, but it, man, it was hard to watch. I've never twenty one shots in a row missed. I mean, just twenty five. Twenty five. I mean, I I can't. I I just. What is that? That I mean, they were clearly outmatched, outlinked. I mean, they couldn't pass the ball anywhere without it getting tipped. But then it was just. Then they at some point it's like some of this is just kind of bad luck or just horrible momentums just think just a complete collapse that doesn't necessarily mean they're that bad it was just a really tough game to watch on that it's not a huge stage it's opposite ncaa tournament men but still you're like oh man what were you thinking when you're watching that i mean they could probably play a hundred games and never again miss 25 shots in a row you know, I mean, you and I could have been out there and we probably would not would have missed 25 shots in a row. And so, yeah, that's whether you want to call it bad luck or a fluke or whatever. I mean, we all know that that's just not something that's ever going to happen. And it just sucks for them that a freakish sort of game like that. I mean, not saying Oregon didn't have anything to do with it, but they missed an awful lot of wide open shots. I mean, there was a, a couple times where you could see Oregon's players were kind of like, go ahead, shoot it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and they didn't make it. And uh, that was, like you said, it was hard. They almost got shut out for the entire second quarter. I mean, 34 to 9 at halftime. That's ugly. And again, I don't think that's a true representation of who they are, but it's also, you know, probably a little bit embarrassing. And, um, you know, I found my, I didn't really care one way or the other what happened when the game started. I mean, I kind of hoped they would win just because, you know, I'm from South Dakota, um, but I wasn't like actively rooting for them. Uh, but then when it got to halftime at 34 to 9, I was like, come on you've got to please at least show up in the second half and, you know, don't let, you know, you know, the last thing I wanted was for the final score to be, you know, 77 to 25 or something yeah. like that. So it was very encouraging, I think, and, and a credit to them that they played as well in the second half as they did. I don't want to give too much credit for it because they still, you know, laid an embarrassing egg in the first half. And that's, you know, like what the second worst half in NCAA tournament history, that, that sucks for them. But they could have packed it in. They could have said, well, screw this. This is not our night. And they didn't do that. And, you know, now the final score is something that, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be an embarrassment for them. This isn't going to be a thing where people are going to be like, remember that time USD played Oregon in the NCAA tournament? They got beat 88 to 22 or, you know, whatever. Like now, you know, what was the final? Like 77-57 or something. I mean, it's just another game, basically. And Oregon let off the gas and it was just uh... – so it was a combo of them letting off the gas and there's no way the Yotes are going to be that bad the whole game. And uh, I just, you know, for a team, for a team in a school uh, and I get it, it's the summit league. It's a much lower level of play than the competition they were facing last night. Part of that has to do with size. You're just the higher level you get men's and women's hoops, the, 
bigger the bigger and longer the people you're playing against are going to be, and that's just sometimes really, really, really tough to beat if they have any sort of um, you know wits about them. But uh, it would to, to watch USD the way they have operated for like the last four years under Don Plitzowite, and really eight or nine years, maybe ten or eleven years, going back to Amy Williams and even Ryan Williams. I guess you could go back to um, Chad Lavin, right? I mean, but especially Don Plitzowite. I think she, I think we can all agree she's kicked it up another notch the last three or four years, and the way they just the combo of good players plus just such a clean, efficient system i mean they just dismantle people and uh it was really bizarre to watch it made more sense because it was oregon but it was still really bizarre to watch them fall apart yeah. like that. yeah i didn't see that coming i mean i didn't expect them to win but i certainly wouldn't have been surprised if they won i didn't expect them to uh you know struggle as badly as they did early on i unfortunately uh i was i drove home we were at a bar i've got a, a couple things driving away uh i was hoping to hear don on the postgame radio show and for some reason they talked to the associate head coach and he did fine he's probably doing the press conference of course of course yeah. and i didn't see the press conference and i'm gonna i hate to admit this i didn't read the quotes did she say anything poignant or is there uh is there was there anything to gather from what she said i like listening to her talk i like listening to her talk I don't remember. I've read the story and I don't even really remember any of her quotes. So okay. that maybe tells you, you know, I would, I would, I would think, um, and maybe it's just, maybe she just sounds better than she reads, but, uh, I don't know about you. I like hearing what she has to say. There was a, a, a quote about, you know, the, the second half fight. And, and like I said, I, I do give them credit because they could have easily quit yeah. and they fought back and, and, uh, you know, I'm guessing Don probably said to him at halftime, Hey, go win the third quarter and see what happens. And that's what they did. And for a split second there in the fourth quarter, they were almost kind of threatening to actually like, you know, kind of make it interesting. Yeah. But still, I, I, I don't think I also don't think it's healthy to act like that first half like didn't happen or just, right. you know, gloss yeah. over it. Like because because, again, not to criticize them too much. They were an 11 seed, um, but USD still hasn't won a tournament game. And for all the talk about how their women's program has, you know, elevated itself to where it's equal to the SDSUs. I mean, I don't think you can say that if you haven't won a game yet. Mm. And again, they, they weren't the favorites here. I'm not saying they choked by any means or anything, but um, they still are, are looking for that first win. And to get blown out, regardless of how it ended up playing, how it played out, you know, that I, I would hope if you're a USD fan, player, coach, whatever, um, th that bugs you a little bit. That, that You don't focus on, oh, great, we didn't quit. You know, we fought hard in the second half. Yeah, that's cool, but you know, it's time to win a game. I would hope that that's yeah. the way they look at that is that, Hey, this was another missed opportunity. Let's win the next one. Yeah. Uh, I'm just reading the first quote that Hank used in his story. I've got it. Uh, said they were shell shocked at the beginning of the game. Didn't do a good job of taking care of the ball. Had some shots that were altered or blocked around the rim. Second quarter started to get some quality looks rushed. Didn't make them really tough. First half settled down, made adjustments, got some really good stops in the second half. They couldn't follow, really followed up with stops at the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing rah rah. I'm sure somewhere along the way she credited her team, but uh, yeah, it was a bad look. And uh, Jacks fans can can say, um, <laughs> well, this wasn't the Oregon team that we you know took to the final five, wasn't it? It was about a five to ten point game most of the way when Oregon had I forget her name, but like one of the best players in the country two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was like that was an arm's length or I should say striking distance game, wasn't it? If I recall. Eh. I don't know if I'd say that they were never really a threat to win, but they certainly did not get blown away. Yeah, they held their own. Um, and so, and and it, and by the way, speaking of tribalism, 
So I was sitting next to uh, clearly a couple of Jax fans. They weren't wearing Jax gear, but at some point you, I could just tell they, they were talking. They were not rooting for USD? They were enjoying it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, they weren't like lustily yelling at the TV, come on, miss it. And in fact, at some point, one of them did say to the rest of the general bar area, because everybody in this bar area was watching the game, uh, you know, in that second quarter, they were like, I'm, we're, I'm, we're buying shots. If they, the next, if they hit a field goal, we'll buy shots. And so that kept everybody engaged. And they didn't. They didn't make a few. I mean, they hit like one free throw before uh-huh. the end of the half. But um, it, it it was certainly clear that these I, I can't, they can't they don't represent the entire Jack Nation. But uh, they were not rooting. They were not. Uh, they were uh, they were certainly not rooting for USD. Is that pretty common? Or like, um, all for I one, think, one for all, or is it one for all, all for one South Dakota? I think so. I think a lot of fans kind of say to themselves, like, I'm going to root for them, even though they're our rival. Because it's good for the conference and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then when the moment actually arrives, they're like, I just can't do it. It's hard to look at the and name I, of the other school on that jersey yeah. and cheer for And I, I think that's pretty normal. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, if I'm watching the Packers play the, you know, the Rams and they, you know, they, for whatever, and the Rams of the team, the Vikings are playing for a number one seed or something like that. Like, it's hard for me to root for them. Yeah. You know, I'll probably do it because, it, it, you know, you have to sort of, but I can relate to that, not, mm-hmm. not wanting to do it no matter what the what's at stake or whatever. Well, uh, the future looks good. I mean, it, it feels like Don Plitzwhite has earned the right that even if she loses Hannah Shervin, well, one of the best players in the Summit League, uh, that uh, that even, even if she... I think she'll be back. I think she'll be back. Well, she hinted at it, right? Uh, right. I was going to say that, even if she would have lost her and lost her best players, they didn't have the option to come back. Like I think she's earned the right to like expect USD to be the number one or two team in the summit league again next year, because she did it kind of this year with, I mean, I know some girls return, but she did it with that Kira Duffy, who was maybe the best player in the league the last year. Right. And, um, so that's good. So it looks like the future's brightest. Shervin's coming back. And uh, meanwhile, for the Jacks, uh, I mean, you, you kind of touched on this today in your article for the Argus, uh, with, uh, with SDSU next year, I mean, Selen's coming back, right? Well, she's coming back, but, you know, she tore her ACL in February. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, how how quickly is she going to be able to recover? That yeah. can be a, you know, eight to 12-month thing. You know, I mean, I, Callie Tyson tore her ACL in December of 2019 and wasn't ready till January, February, I think January of 21. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it just depends on how... I mean, I don't know how ACLs work, really, if it has to do with the severity or just how she responds to it. But I'm sure her goal is going to be to be ready for the uh, season. But there's by no means a guarantee that she will be. Yeah, maybe like February or March. Because unless you're like an alien like Adrian Peterson, he came right. back in like seven or nine months. But um, So is it, do you have a preseason favorite or is it too early to tell? I mean, just based on mm. players coming back. What was, the, what was the gist of your article today? Uh, that... You know, the Jacks had a pretty good season, and yeah. they have good players coming back in. You know, Peyton Burkhardt, I think, is a very good and very underrated player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tylee Irwin is coming off by far her best season. She's coming back. Um, whether Selen comes back or not, they need better guard play. Um, Haley Greer, the grad transfer from Colgate, really, really struggled um, it, th- down the stretch. Really, she had an awesome first game, and then was just ineffective the rest of shut 20% for the season on three pointers. And she shot a lot of them. I mean, that's just bad basketball. You can't have someone out there who's missing four out of every five shots, taking a lot of shots. Uh, And part of the reason that she kept getting sent back out there is because they didn't really have anybody else. I mean, they've, 
you know, there's there's some players at the end of that bench that haven't uh, developed yet. And then, uh, like I said, they're just short on guards or they have players who are a little bit too one dimensional players who are very good defensive players, good rebounders or, you know, good front court players, but not great shooters. Uh, Tyler Irwin had by far her best season as a shooter. They need her to repeat that next year. Uh, Madison Vlostin, the freshman, became one of the league's best shooters over the course of the season. She'll need to play a bigger role next year. Um but they can't have you know two guards playing significant minutes who are making fewer than 30% of their shots. I mean, like I said, that's just highly inefficient basketball. They need to be better than that, or they're going to be too weak. That, that's how they lost to Omaha in the conference tournament. I mean, regardless of what they do in the regular season, if, if AJ, and he's a good enough coach, he'll find a way. You know, he'll patch it together somehow, eke out some ugly wins. But, you know, they'll get to the end of the year and they'll be 22 and seven or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but if that's, if they have that same kind of team where they're just that easy to game plan for, um, they're going to have to have a tough time winning the conference tournament and, and doing anything in the NCAAs if they get there. All right, Matt Zimmer, we've hit the point where you said was going to be the wall. Do you, do you want to address a little football? We got time. Okay. Um, Unless there's anything else to talk about in hoops. I think we, I mean, we just did 36 minutes of hoops. Talk, Moving so. along Gaskins. I'm not very good at that, but I'll try. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, then again, what is there to say about the Jacks destroying? They destroyed uh, the fifth-ranked team in the country, right? Yes. I mean, uh, I didn't get a chance to see that. I was, it was, oh, man, Saturday was a busy day. That was state championship Saturday, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I had my high school uh, ball cap on. Not literally a ball cap that said high school, but then Brent Decker. Will you get to the football or what? Tell me about, uh, no, let's talk about me and my day. I want to tell you what I had for <laughs> breakfast on Saturday and uh, how nice the uh, I, I, and I mild. I you were wearing on your head. <laughs> uh, all right, so, so I missed the Jackrabbits kicking SIU's ass. When I saw the score, I was like, wow, okay, now, now what do we think of this football team? Well, for one thing, not to take any credit away from the Jacks, but I think Southern Illinois was overrated. You um, kind of hinted at that. And they kicked the crap out of North Dakota State. There's no getting around that. You cannot take that away from them. That was impressive. And it, it wasn't a fluke. Or, I mean, maybe it was a fluke. But, I mean, it wasn't like they did it with smoke and mirrors. You know, they took it to them. They kicked their ass. And that means something. Uh, but, you know, you take that game away, and I, I just wasn't quite sold. Um, and the Jacks have kind of been the opposite. Like, you can see through their first few games that, holy shit, there's a really good team in there somewhere if they could just put it all together. And every game, even the games they were winning, you know, there were little mistakes on all three phases that were just keeping them from being the team they're capable of. They finally put it together on Saturday, and they dominated Southern Illinois and kind of maybe exposed the Salukis a little bit, but also showed, hey, this is how good you can be when you put it all together. I mean, they were, I I hesitate to say perfect because they literally weren't perfect. They had, you know, a touchdown called back by a holding penalty. They fumbled on the end of the long run. Uh, but for the most part, it was about as good as you could ask for. Mm. Wow. And so who do they got next? Wake up, John. Their game this week got canceled. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. It did. That's right. There it is. Is, yeah. is Illinois State really bad and just trying to – because they're, they're done for the season, right? They just said we're, yeah, we're packing it in. I mean, it's – I kind of feel bad for them because it, it, I know Brock's back well enough to know that he's not the kind of coach who would just be like, oh, let's bag it because we're not in the playoffs. That's just not the way that guy's wired. I mean, I I believe them when they say, you know, our depth is a problem right now to where we're genuinely concerned about the safety of our players. Having said that, would that be an excuse in October of a regular, you know, 
fall season? No. Like, would a team just be able to say, hey, we only have two healthy defensive linemen. We're not playing. Like, no, no. So, again, if you committed to play the season beforehand, you know, find a way to do it. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not accusing them of, of just compl- of just kind of waving the white flag and saying, let's save money and save our bullets and everything. But um, if they were three and one, would they be doing this? I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, I, in fact, I really doubt it. Uh, now, again, there's a fall season coming up in just a few months. So that's a little bit different. That's part of the reason why I guess it's allowed. But it's just it's just a bad look and it sucks for everyone. It sucks for Illinois State's players. It sucks for the Jacks. It sucks for the other teams that were supposed to play Illinois State. Who knows what effect it's going to have on the playoff race. Uh, it's it's just really unfortunate. That's re- that's really about the only thing you can say. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, it looks like chicken shit. Like everything you just said. Like, wow, what a what a bunch of chicken shits. And uh, at the same time, you, you did modify it with. Well, it's a, this is a different kind of year, but because uh, it is, it's not. It's it's not that these players are going to have not eight or nine months to recover and get ready for the next season and it's going mm-hmm. to be normal i have they're doing this big experiment which I, fcs is the only college football obviously doing this where you know i really don't know it's just always been these guys have always gotten eight months in some cases nine if you don't make a bowl game or the playoffs to recover your bodies can they recover in three or four months or are they going to have long-term effects to their their bodies or their health, or at the very least, the short-term seasonal carryover for having the legs. And I don't know. Athletes are in such good shape these days; they're so much stronger. And maybe the recovery times are much faster, and this will be fine. But I, but I do think there looms a sense of well, what are they playing for right now? This is kind of a lost season. We all know it. Everything is a little bit screwy. We've all talked about it. It's good to have it, and you could certainly still drop the gavel and say this team's good. That team's terrible this team is worthy of a national title uh within the confines of the weird season but it is to me it kind of does kind of feel like a one-off of all right you know what they are bad and uh and they don't want to risk more injury and they you're right they wouldn't be doing this if they had a winning record but they don't so let it, it's uh, it's if i had to pick one side or the other i'd say it's a lot less chicken shit than if obviously if they would have done this even though they would not have in uh you know late october early november you know what i'm saying like if there's any time to do this, go go right ahead. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna that I you shouldn't crucify them as much for this for being chicken shits as a normal situation. I mean, it's 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 not a normal situation, and that's all there is. And yeah. you know, it sounds like you know Brock's back did as best as he could to to be on the level, and and he gave Stig some advance warning, and hmm. um, Stig certainly doesn't seem to to think that there's. He's being disingenuous in any way, but like I said, it and, and you know maybe it's good for the Jacks. I mean, they got a huge game the next week coming up against North Dakota State. This gives them an extra week to prepare okay. to get healthy. Um, but and yeah, like you said, this it's it's a it's a weird. I, I keep comparing this to the Major League Baseball season that we just had. Hmm. You know, sixty games, uh, no fans, a playoff, a World Series played on a neutral site. That's not what Major League Baseball is. That's a I don't want to say a fake season or a a, a a doesn't count season, but it's not. It's different. It's not what we're used to. Having said that, do the Los Angeles Dodgers feel like they can't celebrate their World Series championship? Hell no. I was just saying, the, yeah, they're the 2020 World Champions, and you'll never take that away from them. And the same goes here. This is a weird season. It's different, and whoever ends up standing at the end is going to have taken a very very weird path to get there. Mm-hmm. But 
they're not going to, you know, give back the trophy. You know, whether it's North Dakota State again, the Jacks, James Madison, whoever, they're going to proudly call themselves the spring football, whatever. I don't know if they're going to call it 2020, 2021, whatever. Yeah. They're the national champions, and it's going to count. Yeah, I was going to say, if South Dakota State, what if South Dakota State wins this thing? Finally, they break through. Finally, it's not only not the Bison, it's... It's the Jackrabbits. I get what what I can't. A couple of years ago, somebody else besides North Dakota State won, but James Madison. Thank you. Yes, but uh, yeah. I mean, if the Jacks actually do it, you know, you'll hear it from the Bison fans. This wasn't for real. This is an asterisk. Sure. Um, and um, and that'd be unfortunate. But kind of the same thing that some might have been saying about Oral Roberts winning the Summit League tournament until they, <laughs> you know, uh, beat two major conference schools and make the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, all right, and then we've got, of course, uh, North Dakota State's preparation before South Dakota State is going to USD on Saturday. And this is the portion of the program where we, uh, since you and I, neither of us are keeping up with USD football, we're both busy with our other own things, um, you with the Jacks. Well, I know it's not going well for him. We yes. So Coyote Eric, and this he would he would help out our, our daily show with Craig and I on KWSN with these, oh my, I mean, sometimes, it, you know, depending on how he felt like it, these really long emails uh, with that were very interesting to read with the very blunt uh, assessment of uh, the team's performance and sometimes of the program. And, so he's, and, he, and he gave that to us last week, and I read it all, and we played off of it. Uh, this week, he just sent me a gif of a dumpster fire. He said, this is it. <laughs> this is your coyote report from Coyote Eric this week. There's nothing else to say. Um, well, it's funny. A lot, they, of people, yeah. a lot of people have asked me, in light of Illinois State opting out, what the odds are of USD doing the same. Because clearly, they're not going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they have North Dakota State on their schedule. I'm not sure who the other one is. But then uh, the Jacks, too. Yeah. I mean, but I'll just say in case anyone's wondering, I know you didn't ask, but I don't see that happening. And the no. large reason I don't, beyond the fact that I know that's not Bob Nielsen's style, um, think of what sort of recruiting suicide that would be for mm-hmm. USD. Yep. You know, to, to what, regardless of whatever reason or excuse they gave, you don't think the Jacks and Bison would use that against them for the rest of eternity in recruiting? Like, yeah, these guys chickened out. They bailed. You know, yep. they won't even play us. I mean, that was, they can't do that. US, I mean, even if USD wanted to opt out, and I, and to be clear, I don't think they do, but even if they wanted, they, I just think that would be an absolute suicide of a move. So I don't expect that to happen. I fully expect them to play out the rest of their season, no matter how bad it gets. Yeah. I was actually thinking uh, pride and public perception. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, Both but, of those things, exactly. But you went right to recruiting, which is obviously, which some people, most, but those are they're kind of related, though. They, they are. Public they are. perception has a lot to do with recruiting. Yes, but recruiting is far more important. That's what some most smart fans understand. That it's still like the most important thing to all these coaches and um, and, and administrators is 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 recruiting and 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 like, yeah, the public marketing of the of the program that will be appealing to the next players that come in there. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't. I did. I did not see. That. And you know, part of it is because they live here in the same state as South Dakota State, and South Dakota State is still Big Brother in football. Like, I, like Illinois State could maybe get away with it because who's their rival? Are they big rivals with Southern Illinois? I don't know. I doubt it. I, I think those mm, are the only two. Yeah. Those are the only two Valley schools in Illinois. But Valley football doesn't mean nearly as much in that state as it does over There's here. There's Western and, too, but yeah. Yeah, are they huge? Like, but yeah, USD would not hear the. They, they would not hear nor feel the end of it if they quit. Right. Uh, from even you know they'd. I, I'm sure I would like to think they'd rather go whatever one and seven and play it out than uh, 
then yeah, then quit. So they won't. Uh, do you think North Dakota State will crush them? Um, Hard to predict these days. I mean, yeah, I was going to say they should. Like everything points to that. But A, it's a weird season anyway. And B, USD has this weird habit of like just when it looks like it's completely over and they're completely terrible and they're about to go in the tank, they win a game you don't expect. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, just it'll often just when it looks like, hey, they're turning a corner, here they come, you know, they lose at home to Western Illinois or something like that. But uh, So, I, I mean, I would expect North Dakota State to win, and I would expect them to win fairly comfortably. But if USD digs deep and finds something and makes it a game, that wouldn't shock me either. All right. Um, yeah, and by the way, for what it's worth, USD is NDSU, then UNI. That's a tough one. Those are gotcha. both at home, but then they have to go to Brookings, and then they close yeah. it out with Western Illinois. So they got three out of four at home to end it out. Um, it was, uh, last one was, was the Sioux Falls Christian Chargers. Cause I saw your articles, obviously I didn't see the games. Um, I did a couple of their games this year and they shoot the lights out. Uh, was that as good of yeah. performances as you have seen in a high school state basketball tournament? Absolutely. It yeah. really was. I mean, they were, they played almost perfect basketball for three straight games. It was really, really impressive. Yeah. And they did, they did one of their best players got hurt right before the state tournament. Mm-hmm. They're all state big man. And then the backup comes in and goes for 16 and 13. I mean, it just, it was extremely impressive. They've had those kind of teams forever. I mean, I, I, I do one or two of their games a year, talk to their coach, Mike Scouting on the coaches show every other week on Saturday mornings. And uh, Good dude. yeah, he's a great dude. And his teams are just always, <laughs> they, they're not some of them are athletic but they just they're in great condition they can just run and shoot that's all they do it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun any other observations overall just sights and sounds of the uh, state tournament it was fun i mean there were a lot of people there which was kind of jarring for me because i haven't been around a lot of people for a long time mm. but uh it was you know they handled it pretty well i thought and um it was fun it was good to be sort of that was almost kind of like the first back to normal sort of thing I've done. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. And that, and that was a really good, I mean, Vermilion was undefeated. Number one seed yeah. got beat in the first round by the number eight seed. And most of the people at the tournament were like, eh, yeah. I mean, that's just how loaded the field was. It right. was, I mean, it was an upset, but it wasn't like this. Oh my God. Biggest upset. People were just kind of like, yeah, well, Bill Rapids is pretty good. Yeah, and a lot of those that teams. Says a lot about the bracket. Yeah, and a lot of those teams are in the same conference. A lot of them are DAC mm-hmm. twelve schools, and they beat yep. up on each other. And um, I would know because Lennox is in that conference, and it's been a tough. It's been a tough sled for Lennox for the last few years in that mm-hmm. league. Um, yeah, that, that one kid from Vermilion's excellent. I don't know where he's going to college. I should, but um, I, I was rather surprised by that result. Uh, and then, did, did you cover or watch any double A? Do you have any, any anything? Any Didn't commentary? See any of it. Huh? Didn't see any of it. Okay. Well, uh, I'll refer people to either the Argus, because Hank did a great job covering it, or KWSN. I wrote some stories out of it. But uh, Roosevelt was a really cool team to watch. You talk about athletes and shooters um, and Mitch Bagman. You, you like ba- I mean, everybody loves Bags. That, that's a great story. His dad uh, could never win the state championship at O'Gorman. Last two years, finished runner-up with Mitch. I'm guessing Mitch was the best player on the team. He went to USD. Uh, I wasn't huh. here. And, uh well, they had Steve Smith, who went to Creighton, and Dusty Coleman, and Tyler Schulte. Okay, wow. So not necessarily. Oh, so heart, so just heartbreak hotel, and then uh, and then and, and Mike uh, Begaman, uh, he's been, he had been at it for twenty five years, but he's still a fairly young man. I did, probably I'm guessing he's like sixty sixty five now. So 
uh, he, he had a lot of years in him, and he decided to, correct me if I'm wrong, just watch Mitch play, and he wanted to watch Mitch's games in college. I think, so, I think he quit after Mitch graduated, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, he's an executive at Sanford. He's probably making a lot more money than he does yeah, as a coach. So he's living – every time I see that guy, he's in a good mood. Uh, so, But he never – he never won the state, and uh, so I, when I asked Mitch after the game, I asked him about it before the game and then after the game, and he wanted the, he wanted to deflect all the stuff to it. This is about our kids, which you know a lot of yeah. coaches will say, and he means it. I don't. I'm not saying it's disingenuous, but you could tell because uh, he mentioned it. I just said, you know, what does it mean to win this for your dad? And he brought up the fact that he was so disappointed. Um, you know, he really wanted to. He personally wanted to win. His last two when he was at O'Gorman for his dad, and now they he's the head coach mm-hmm. at Roosevelt, and they beat O'Gorman. And right. I don't think there's any vendetta against Derek Roby. Why would there be? Roby just happens no. to be the guy that took over for Mike Begaman and won two state titles right away and six in like 11 years. But to still have O'Gorman be the team that they beat is a little poetic, um, you know, yeah. serendipity. So that was really cool. Well, I know Beggs really well, and uh, I remember his first year as the coach. I covered a Roosevelt game, and they were really bad. They were starting over. And I think they were like 0-8 or 0-9 and mired in this losing streak. And it kind of looked like it was possible that they would go defeated for the season, you know, not win a game. And then I think it might have been when they were playing Yankton and they had a like a seventh or eighth grade Matthew Moores on the team. And they had the lead for a while and it looked like that was going to be where they finally got their win. Couldn't hold it, lost late. And after the game, I went to talk to Mitch and he was really, really down. You know, he's a rookie coach, still in his 20s, yeah. um, was having a tough time with it. And, and I mean, like, he seemed like he was almost in close to tears. And Kim Nelson, the football coach, was there consoling him. And, you know, you know, here's Kim, this veteran Hall of Fame coach who, you know, not a basketball coach, but he knows basketball, he knows sports, he knows yeah. coaching. And yeah. he was very much trying to, you know, hey, you know, this is something every coach goes through. And, you know, I, when, when I saw that Roosevelt was in – the tournament with a chance to win it one of the favorites i thought back to that moment you know and i was like that'd be that would be really great for roosevelt and, and for mitch seeing how far they came you know what he was going through that first year what a struggle it was how you know at that point is you know he doesn't know it's going to get better you know it's easy yeah. for us anyone else to tell him don't worry it'll get better but when you're the guy you know it's it's pressure it's stress and oh. i just remember how tough it was for him and to see him you know get this championship now a few years later that's pretty cool right and i uh that story in itself, how they won one game and were just so bad that year. And it was, you know, he partly took over a program that just wasn't very good. It was two years removed from when he was an assistant on a staff that won the state tournament, but it was really down. Yeah, that that story, that five-year build up, that's a great story in itself. Then you, you, know, you put on top of that with all the history with his dad uh, and O'Gorman, and that was just, mm-hmm. that was excellent. How do you know him so well? Is it because you're... I'm just, you know, I've covered his high school career. Stuff. Yeah. His college career. I know his dad pretty well. Um, he goes to the same gym as me. I just see him around everywhere. Yeah. I was, uh, so Roosevelt's great. I, they're the team I probably called the most, partly because they were a top five team all year, but also because they were, again, incredibly fun to watch. Great athletes that played a fun basketball. Uh, I was, but I was, I was a little uh, bummed about your uh, Washington Warriors, as I'm sure you, even though you didn't watch them as well, because they were really good and they were the number one seed and mm-hmm. they lost to one team all year and it was a Gorman three times and they had some good athletes. Craig Nelson's a great dude. I felt bad for them. 
those damn nights. Mm, Derek Roby. Yeah. <laughs> Derek's a good dude. I'm kidding. I love yeah, that. Uh, and, uh, and his team, I mean, he's probably the best coach around. I mean, I don't think anybody would doubt that. He's got a lot of years on those guys, and he always, you know, no matter who he's got, he did he's it again this year. state championships yep. with football players. Yeah. Say, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, last one. Shantiva, uh, I, I know you're going to, I know you have something to say about this because uh, Jefferson High School, the new one uh, names Shantiva Pruitt, formerly Ashley, the uh, former Roosevelt, her, her brother's, you know, her brother Talon, the quarterback on the football team, sophomore starter on the basketball team. Uh, she's the new head girls coach. She had been uh, at uh, Roosevelt. She'd been an assistant at Roosevelt the last couple of years. Uh-huh. And uh, Tim Reck, who's uh, the stats guy <laughs> at Washington. He is. He's always there at Howard Wood Field giving us the stats. That's the guy. Uh, and if I need stats from basketball, he's the guy. Um, what do you make of those hires? I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't know that that Tim uh, was that high up. I guess on the the. I, I thought he was like a freshman coach or something. Yeah. Um. So I I didn't. And but the cool thing about it, not knowing like all I really know about Tim is he's the stats guy, and we sit in BS while we watch football games yes. together. And he's he's a cool guy. Oh, very. Um. Um. The cool thing about it is. And I'm I'm not trying to I don't have anything against Craig Nelson, Mitch Begum, and all these guys, but the trend has been so obvious to hire you know 25 year olds right out of college, and you know cynically you suspect that's to try to be cheap and save money and everything. Sure, but it but it feels almost a little bit like an age discrimination thing, you know. It's like come on, you know, can you hire a veteran coach? Is it would it kill you to give someone else who's been doing it a long time a chance, or yeah. or you know, say if someone who was coaching. Uh, in in Del Rapids or Lenox and having a great record and who's in their 30s or 40s that they couldn't make the move up to Sioux Falls like I was starting to get a little bit frustrated that every single one of those hires was like that mm-hmm. um, even though many of them have worked out and like yeah. I said I'm nothing against those guys so I was really happy to see that happen to see an older guy a veteran guy who's paid his dues waited for an opportunity like that to get that opportunity that's yeah. cool yeah and, um, and oh go ahead sorry well and I was just gonna say and as far as Sean T. Ashley is I mean I cover or, uh, what's her Pruitt, Pruitt, Shantina Pruitt. Yeah. I covered her entire college career at Augustana. She's one of the greatest players in Vikings history. Um, her entire career there, she was – it doesn't surprise me at all that she became a coach. Right. She was a really smart player, a good communicator. She was a great interview. She was a smart, funny kid. Yes. I mean, it just – it just that that makes perfect sense yeah. to me that she would – take that avenue yeah she'll be she'll be good i'm sure the kids who play for her will love her and by going back to the rec thing and the age thing i think part of it also is it seems like a lot of these coaches retire retire or quit by the time they're 40 or 50 especially if they have some success like nate melchow won three states by the time he was 40 ish and i you know i I think the rigors and the demands year round they get sick of putting up with parents yes and uh it's just a year-round job because most of them are running the club teams for those schools as well Mm -hmm. so it's a young Mm -hmm. part of it probably is a, a young man's game anyway uh any any thoughts on brent deckard as he retired i mean did you ever cover just, or know him? You know, yeah he was a teacher at washington when i oh, was a, that's a right. student there okay and i think he was the sophomore coach um great career you know i had no idea when he was there and i was a student that he was you know going to become a varsity coach and when he did i was kind of like oh okay i guess mr deckard is the brandon coach now and uh obviously had a tremendous career there you know won a couple state championships uh, again, that's that's not easy to do at the AA ranks, and obviously just you know pulling for him with what he's going through personally, you know, um, with him and Chad both at the same time. Obviously, I 
I, I don't know a ton about it. I haven't been, you know, reading all the daily updates on it, so I don't want to say something stupid, but yeah. obviously pulling for him. Right. I don't know about Chad as much as I do Brent. Brent has just – Brent made it through a season coaching every game, uh, showing up and being there uh, and, and almost every practice. But I talked to Randy Marso, the AD there, uh, and he's on Saturday morning after Brent announced on our show that I, I was really – I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised that Brent – uh, he didn't announce it, by the way. He 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 was about to slip out of there and and not say anything. But I he I asked him to uh, emphasize what it, the Brandon Valley community has meant to him this year because he has been coaching through lung cancer. And even though he's had chemotherapy, gene therapy pills, like he's he's been slugging through it. Um, you know he's he's out of gas and um, and he's you know obviously the GoFundMe page, the T-shirts, uh, the Brandon Valley T-shirts that opposing coaches wear. It's been pretty overwhelming support and speaks a lot for the high school community and the South Dakota community, South Dakotans. And I just gave him one last chance to you know express what it meant. And then he said at the very end, I'm gonna you know, and Brandon Valley is a lovely place. I'm gonna miss it. I was like, excuse me, or is, is this yeah. it? And that's where he said it was his last game. Um, but uh, so he, I don't know. Yeah, we don't. We, but the thing is, is no one knows with you know that obviously with cancer, how much longer anybody has. And I'm not I, I'm not as up to date on how Chad Garrow is doing. I think his has been a bigger struggle and he's gone to the Mayo Clinic many, many times. But good for Brandon Valley. They're going to induct both of those guys into the Brandon Valley Athletics Hall of Fame in late March. And we hope that both of them have many years ahead of them, Zim. But we obviously Brent's not Brent may never coach again. He wants to. And we, do, we, we don't know what the status is of Chad as a coach or how much longer he has, but good for them, for those guys to uh, already know what that place uh, thinks and everybody thinks of them uh, while they can, and uh, they'll do the Hall of Fame. That's really cool. So with that, let's do some baseball next week. I was going to say anything. You want to talk some PGA or some NFL free agency or wow. uh, spring training? I mean, you've only gone – 25 minutes past what we were supposed to so well you said you had time so i'd get you gave me an inch and i took a I mile meant, sorry yeah that's exactly what you did uh, i'm so pissed at you right now i'm in big trouble and it's your fault no you're not you're <laughs> you told me i asked you when i cut when, when we started this conversation right before we turned on the mic that you're doing awesome so i doubt it i doubt if you're doing that awesome that you're right. in big trouble can i go now yes you can we'll talk about <laughs> baseball the canaries new ownership and the twins uh, getting ready for the season next week see you later bye Ah, uh, good old Matt. It's nice to get under his skin a little bit, you know? It's just, it's just kind of fun because he gets under everybody else's skin. Uh, you know, it's fun to do this every week. Can't wait when we're actually back and doing this in person. We're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. People are getting vaccinated. A surprisingly high number of South Dakotans at this point getting vaccinated. It's great. Uh, the more that that happens, the more the case numbers go down, the more that... Mr. Zimmer and I will be confident about doing this show from the bar with a couple drinks in us at the Gateway Lounge like it was intended to be. And uh, meanwhile, Gateway Lounge is open for you. And boy, their March Madness lineup. I mean, I don't know what they have coming up this weekend, but so far, stuff like $5 for 14-ounce doubles on Captain Morgan in New Amsterdam. How about $20 for pizza and domestic pitcher combo? Uh, they have $11 domestic pitchers, uh, $15.50 domestic buckets. Uh, this is uh, when NCAA tournament games are going on. $10.99 Bushlight Tallboy with pretzel and Inca's queso. Uh, they've got their queso burger. I am a queso uh, nutball, uh, a queso whore. There, I said it. And um, so I, 
Got to admit, haven't tried it yet. It's intriguing me. The queso burger. It's a brilliant idea because I think a lot of us love our queso. Uh, so go on in there, especially during March Madness when all the games are going on. It's one of the best places you can imagine to watch sports because it's just got a nice kind of theater setting, neighborhood bar feeling, and uh, all these great deals. And by the way, all this stuff they're giving to you for, uh, you know, for a slim price, it's quality food, quality food, quality service. Gateway Lounge, West 41st Street, just off of I-29. Great local business to support uh, during March Madness. And uh, hey, thanks for listening to Nobody's Listening Anyway. Thanks for listening and sticking around uh, after Matt's gone. That means a lot to me. You must be really bored, but uh, you're probably realizing this thing is coming to the end. You probably just want to hear me play that uh, that little soundbite that we had our first episode uh, where I tell Matt, F you. And uh, you will. I just want to thank you. Thank you for uh, being a friend, traveling down the road and back again, and supporting our podcast. We're getting good hits. We're getting good hit numbers. We are. Ho- hopefully, we're engaging you. Even uh, even that Oral Roberts thing that we did. If you don't agree with it, or were, you know, thought that was a little too Debbie Downer, hope at least you appreciate that we bring uh, some things beyond the normal raw raw sports stuff that you're seeing on TV or hearing on commercial talk radio. Um, I've always appreciated Matt and his social consciousness human observation uh, abilities to, uh, you know, to, yeah, go beyond sports when we talk about sports. So thank you. Uh, It's always awkward to end these. Um, So uh, bye. Talk to you next week. No, really, it's over. But you still want to hear that one clip. So here it is. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) You guys need a round of drinks? Yes.